You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. So I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2 is where we're going to spend a little bit of time as we talk about why we are involved with the ministry of compassion and how you potentially can be involved with this great gospel-centered work. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, I'll read through verse 17 And as is our custom here at Shandon, I want to invite you, if you're willing and able, to stand with me as I read from the Word of God this morning. If you're new to Shandon or if you're joining us online and you're wondering why are people standing around the room for the reading of God's Word, well, the reason we do this is very simple. As the people of God, we stand on the authority of God's Word. And so we stand together for the reading of God's word to be reminded of whose authority we are under and whose authority guides us as we seek to live as God's people. It is the word of God that shows us what God says is right and good and true. It is the word of God that points us to our reason for hope. So this is what the scripture says in James 2 verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. These are some very challenging words to consider, some very convicting words from the scripture. And it is my prayer that God would use these words in our lives to lead us to live by faith and to lead us to follow after him, perhaps in ways that we never have before. So let's ask God now to use this time for his glory in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege, a privilege to come before you now at the the reading of your word, the proclamation of your word, and to recognize that when your word is brought before us, your word brings life. And so we pray in the power of your spirit that you would speak into our lives right now what we need to see, what we need to hear. Lord, we ask that you would use this time for your glory. We pray that lives would be changed as a result of what is said and done here today. So may you have your way among us. This is our prayer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I know at this point in November of 2020, it goes without saying, but this year has given us many different things 
to be worried about. We've been worried about our safety, our health. We've been worried about the division that we see that is so clear and running rampant in our culture, be it political division, be it racial division, be it division created over injustice, whatever the case may be, there's been a lot to be worried about. And here's the reality for all of us. When we are worried, we tend to think more about ourselves than anyone else. And with good reason. We've been concerned about how can we stay safe? How can we keep our families healthy? What decisions do we need to make as far as where we'll go and what we'll do and who we'll see and will we wear a mask and will we social distance and what's school gonna be like and what's the office gonna be like? And so we've had to think through all of these things. And as we've been consumed with thinking through all of these things that have created a tremendous amount of worry for everyone, if we're honest, something very normal has begun to happen. We have begun to think more about ourselves than we think about anyone else. We have become very inwardly focused. What do I need right now? What does my family need right now? And it has been very easy to just forget altogether that there is a world around us that has very real and legitimate needs, very serious needs. In fact, my guess is in 2020, that you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about global poverty. Am I right? Perhaps you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the reality that, that there's somewhere between seven and 800 million people right now today that are living below the international poverty line of making $2 a day to survive. Between seven and 800 million people around the world right now are seeking to survive on less than $2 a day. That's another thing to now worry about. Thanks a lot, Pastor. Coronavirus, tension in our culture, global poverty, there's a lot of issues to be worried about. But here's the good news of today. Here's the incredible privilege that we have today. Today is a day where you and I have the opportunity to literally change the world for a child in poverty. We literally have the opportunity to change the world for a child that is living in desperate poverty. And at the end of the day, we cannot say, hey, I didn't know about this. At the end of the day, we won't be able to say, you know, I've got too much going on to think about this. It's out of sight, out of mind. I've got enough to worry about. I don't need to think about someone else. No, at the end of the day, the question we will have to ask is, will we do something about the opportunity that God has given us to truly meet a tangible need? 
Will we step out on faith? James chapter two is all about living by faith. And I love what James does in verse 14 where we began this message this morning. He starts by saying, hey, let's just examine our theology for a moment. Let's just talk about what true faith really is. Let's just, let's just be honest for a moment and say, okay, what does it mean to have real faith? Is it possible to have real saving faith and not have works? Is it possible to have a faith that does not show up in the way we interact with the world around us? James 2, 14 is very straightforward. The question that the scripture is posing to us is is very clear. It's one of those just blunt moments in the word of God where there's really no mincing words. There's, There's really no confusion about what is being said and where the scripture is taking us. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him. Again, James is saying, let's talk about theology here for a moment. I want you to think about faith and I want you to think about works and I want you to ask the question, what really is saving faith? Do, Do you have saving faith? Do you have saving faith? What does it mean to have saving faith? And James says, let's, let's talk about the thing that so many people get tripped up about. Are you saved by your works? What is true saving faith? Are you saved based on the things you do, the amount of good you do that, that outweighs the bad? Are you saved by your works? Let's go to Romans chapter three. Flip over real quickly to Romans chapter three. We'll come right back to James chapter two. Romans three verse 20 says this so very clearly. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, in God's sight. Why? Because through the law comes knowledge of sin. No human being will be justified in the sight of God based on our works. What does that mean for you and me? That means no matter how many good things we do, no matter how religious we may become, no matter how many people we might help, our works are not enough to save us. Our works do not have the power to save, and here's why. Because even in our works, we still have sin and are in desperate need of a savior. That presents a problem. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of people, perhaps you today, who are trying to earn your way to God 
based on the things that you're doing. Hey, some of you are even joining us today because of this reason. You want to be in good standing with God. I want to make sure at the end of the day, I've done enough good so that God's going to let me be with him for eternity in heaven. I want to make sure I've worked hard enough to prove that I'm worthy of God's love. That's some of your story right now. But the Bible says, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight because we all have sin. The law shows us our sin. And the law shows us our need for a savior. So how then does someone live in saving faith and receive this gift of saving faith? This is gospel 101. Look at Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Look at what the word of God says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And then just to make sure we understand, the scripture says this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Oh, I'm so grateful that the word of God is so clear. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying salvation comes through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Our only hope, saving faith, is the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has made a way for us to be right with God when we, in our best effort and greatest attempts, could never be right with God in and of ourselves based on what we're doing. Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus lived a perfect, spotless, sinless life and gave his life on the cross as the perfect substitute for your sin and mine being paid through his death. It's through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are invited into the gift of new life. It is through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are promised abundant life here today and eternal life forevermore. This is the good news of the gospel that is rooted and grounded in this gift of grace offered to us through Jesus Christ. The way someone is saved is by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. So what in the world is James talking about with all this work stuff? If salvation is about the grace of God being poured out on us and received in faith, if salvation is about what Christ has done for us that we can never do for ourselves, if we're not saved by our works, then why in the world does James make such an issue about works? Look back at our text for today, James 2, 17. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What is James trying to say here? 
The scripture is showing us that works are the fruit of true saving faith. Works are the evidence of the grace of God alive in us. The works of our life lived out in faith provide a living testimony of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us to save us from our sin and to invite us into new life. That's what we see in Ephesians 2. After those verses we just considered, 8 and 9 in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, it goes on to say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what we were created for in Christ, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our works, the scripture wants us to understand, our works in our faith are showing God's workmanship in us. Our works are showing that what God has done is alive in us. When we live a life of good works that flows out of the saving faith we have received by grace, we become a demonstration of the beautiful gift that God has given. So let's make this really practical. That's what today is all about. Let's get really, really practical. James invites us into this theological conversation. What does it mean to have saving faith? What does it mean as it relates to works? Look at James chapter two, verses 15 and 16. It says this, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? What is James doing here? James is saying, let's just take away all of the excuses for a moment. And let's just be honest. It's not enough to feel bad for people who are struggling. That's what James is saying. It's not enough to see someone in physical need and go, oh, I'm so sorry. You don't have it as good as me. I'm so sorry, but I hope you have a nice day. I know you're hungry. I know you're lacking clean water. I know you don't have same access to the, the medicine that I have. I know you don't know where tomorrow's meal is coming from, but, but I hope you'll go in peace. Peace out, brother. Peace of God for you. James is saying no. That, that can't be it. If, if what the word of God says is, is true, if what the grace of God does is, is truly transform a heart, then, then there's no way we could look at someone in need and go, oh, I'm so sorry, but have a nice day. No, the scripture is saying that real faith will, re, will lead to real works, real works of compassion. Compassion is not just about seeing a need and feeling bad for the need. No, compassion is about seeing a need and getting involved. It's a term of action. It's what Jesus felt for the crowds that were lost and helpless without a shepherd. He, he says, I've got to do something about this. 
I don't want them to keep wandering in the darkness. I don't want them to stay lost. I'm gonna do something about this. Compassion is all about action, seeing a need and saying, I've got to do something. I can't turn a blind eye. I can't just sit idly by. I have the opportunity to do something. So because my faith is alive, I'm going to do something to demonstrate the incredible gift of what God has done for me. I know anytime we talk about poverty, especially on a global scale, it is an overwhelming conversation to consider. How in the world can we here in Columbia, South Carolina, possibly do something about the hundreds of millions of people around the world that are living below the international poverty line? And the answer, the answer according to James 2, is that we can do something one life at a time as we see the need. Today is an opportunity to simply be reminded there is a need and we can do something about it. That's what the Ministry of Compassion International is all about. Compassion is involved around the world where the need is the greatest with a mission of releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And compassion gives us the opportunity to live out saving faith in such a way that it demonstrates the works of God alive in us in the life of someone that has a need. Compassion basically says to the church and says to us, let me just help you live the mission. For there is a world in need and it's hard to know what to do, so let's do something one life at a time and let's change the world for some children And let's see how God will work in their life and in our life as we step out on faith to demonstrate the works of God. So I want to give us the opportunity to hear a a personal testimony of what compassion does and what compassion is all about. And so I want to bring out Stephen Curtis Chapman now. He's going to share just a little bit of, of his story and his involvement with this great ministry of compassion, and then he's gonna sing, which is really, really exciting. That's a gift that he's providing for us this morning. So would y'all join me in welcoming Stephen Curtis Chapman out here today. Great to see you, man. We're gonna, we're gonna get you mic'd up here. I'm not going to get too close, but I am glad to see you. <laughs> it out. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you? Great to see you. Great to be with you. So well, good. Stephen, it's mm. a privilege to have you, and we're very excited about tonight and the opportunity we have uh, to, to hear you even more. But this morning, it is a gift to hear a little bit of your story about compassion. This yes. is a ministry that we both love. In fact, it's because of compassion sort that we know one another, That's which, right. is, which is pretty yes. cool. Yes. Um, but I, I just would love for you to share, how, how did you first get connected to Compassion? Because I know in the worlds you live in, there's a lot of opportunities to be involved in a lot of different ministries. Yeah. How did you first get connected to Compassion, and, and what was that all about? My uh, 
very first connection, and, and as we were saying even before the service today, trying to keep this short, I'm, I'm going to share a lot of my story tonight, which I'm very excited to get to do, because I have a lot of different connect, connection points um, with Compassion. But the very first one began in the, the little town I grew up in, Paducah, Kentucky. I attended Heath High School, um, which sadly became uh, known nationally uh, several years ago. It was a, a place where one of the shooting, school shootings took place um, many, many years ago. But um, that's the high school I attended. And when I was in, I think around uh, my junior year uh, there, there was a club on, uh, on campus back when you could still have a Christian uh, club called Christian Youth Fellowship, CYF. And um, I became the president of that club. And I think there were four members, but, um, but hey, I was still, you know, I think I was president. Yeah, because I was the only one. Um, I think it was absent when they voted. It's like, okay, we'll make him the president. Um, and, um, but our one project was to, um, kind of the one thing we did every year was to uh, sponsor a child with Compassion International. And not even sure how it really came on my radar. It was just that was the, the organization that we decided, started to learn a little bit about it, even as a kid in high school. No idea how it was going to be a, a part of my whole life story, um, as it would be my, my daughter, my oldest daughter and my wife, going on a Compassion trip about 23 uh, years ago that would lead to a radical transformation in my family um, that, again, I'll share more about, but would actually lead us into the world of adoption and into an, a, a, a ministry of adoption that my wife and I have been a part of for many years and a uh, big, big part of my ministry and life and story. And it really all goes back to a connection with Compassion International. That's awesome. Well, I, for me personally, you know, growing up in the church, and growing up around a lot of different mission opportunities, I, I had seen God at work in missions from a young age and so thankful for that foundation, but didn't really know anything about compassion. And I, I did know as I first was getting into ministry about 20 plus years ago now, that there were many times where, where we would be on a mission trip or we'd be doing something in a different place of the world where we'd come home going, did we even do anything? Like I knew it changed our lives. Right. But have we left a, a lasting impact of, of any kind? And you hope and pray that's the case. But then I got invited to go on a compassion trip about, gosh, now it's been, I think maybe 12 years ago. And just to see what compassion was doing to literally change communities in some of the poorest places in the world and to see how through child sponsorship, there was this personal element. I mean, it just, it was a game changer for me. As, as a young pastor, go, man, this is such a gift because I have this heart for missions and I, I, I want to, to, to be active around the world in God's global mission, but it's so hard for it to be personal for, for the whole church and it's so hard to see are we really making an impact. Right. And compassion gives us the, the way for it to be personal and then also gives us the way to know that there is a long-term impact being made, which is just a beautiful, beautiful yeah. gift. Well, I love that, you know, one of the real important things with compassion is to, um, I mean, we've all heard the, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you know, teach him to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And they really have that as a mission to, you know, to impact communities um, within the community and, and bring people that are from that community to work alongside them and then hand that 
off. You know, it's not come in and, you know, try to fix the problems and, and then disappear. And that's one of the many things that makes compassion so effective and just the integrity, of, as you know, so many of the people that are part of it. It's just a, a great organization that has so much integrity and, and uh, you can you can trust that and and so very grateful for it. Well, speak of that for just a moment to to folks that perhaps have never been involved in compassion or maybe maybe they're hearing about compassion for the first time. I know we have many folks that are probably hearing this for the first time. What is it from your personal experience that you would say to someone who's not been involved with compassion? Why does this ministry matter? What is so beautiful about this ministry? What what, what do people need to know about it? And then we'll we'll yeah. give you an opportunity to. Yeah. To lead us in worship right. for a moment. Well, I think, um, you know, again, knowing that uh, there is so much integrity, there is, um, you know, the, the, the heart of, of compassion, knowing the, the people, the leadership, and, you know, as with anything, it starts at the top and, you know, trickles down. And, um, and there's just a, such a, a heart of a genuine desire to, to bring hope uh, and to extend hope uh, in in the world, and it's and it works. It's working, and it is changing lives and changing communities. What I believe um, is most, and you you were preaching about it this morning. You know, why are we uh, called into these things? And part of my journey has been a real journey of understanding that all of these scriptures, when Jesus is saying. Uh, you know, what you've done for the, the least of these, one of the least of these, one life at a time, as you were talking about this morning. You know, why is that important? And, and is that God walking around, you know, with the big kind of clipboard and a checklist going, you know, okay, yep, you did enough good things. You know, because like maybe some of you, I'm a recovering legalist. I'm, you know, I have that, you know, part of my story of can I do enough things, you know, good enough, that, good things that, that God will like me and approve of me and accept me. And, and the hope of the gospel is he already has done all of that through Jesus, and now we get to respond to it. And I think what's amazing, you know, about a work like Compassion is it gives us that opportunity to respond to, to the invitation that God is saying, come know me. That's really what these, that's what Compassion is, my experience of that, and in my journey, and my, my story, and so many others I've talked to. It's, it's not God saying, you know, hey, do this or I'm really not, you know, I'm not going to be happy with you or kind of with a furrowed brow, but it's, you know, it's God with this, you know, with arms extended saying, I just want you to know me. I want to show up in your life as much as I'm going to, because he's going to do what he's going to do in the world, right? He's going to, he's committed to do that, but he's inviting us in to that story, which is to me, the exciting, amazing part of this whole, this whole thing. And I, I would just absolutely agree with what you're saying. What compassion does is it makes it so personal that, that you have the opportunity to not only sponsor a child, but to know a child in a place of great need around the world and, and to know that, that the dollars that you are using to sponsor that child are being used for that child specifically. It's over 80 cents on every dollar that goes into child sponsorship, that goes straight to that child, which is just incredible. It's really unheard of as it relates to, to uh, parachurch ministries. And so it's just this incredible privilege to know that there is a personal connection and relationship and impact being made in a child around the world. And right now, right now, this year, the need is as great as it's been in a long time. 
In fact, for the last 20 years, global poverty has actually been declining, which is a beautiful gift. It's a testimony to the people of God rising up in many ways. But early estimates are saying that there's gonna be somewhere around 100 million people that fall below that international poverty line of surviving on less than $2 a day, specifically because of the coronavirus pandemic. So in the next two years, they're saying global poverty is gonna grow by somewhere around 100 million people. The need is great. And again, it's easy to focus on our personal needs, but we have an opportunity to focus on the needs of others and to be reminded of this beautiful invitation that God has given us. And so as Stephen plays, we're gonna, we're gonna provide a, a way to get involved with compassion that's a little different than what we've done in the past just because of the, the coronavirus issue and the, the social distancing measures that need to be in place. Compassion is now providing a way where you can sponsor a child through text message. Normally, you just go to a table and you, you grab a packet and you fill out some information, but you can actually send a text to Compassion, they will respond specifically to us here today, and you can sponsor a child that way. So the number is going to be up on the screen. You text the word Shandon to the number that is on the screen. I would encourage you to go ahead and do that right now. Grab your phone, text the word Shandon to that number on the screen. Sponsor a child today. Again, change the world for a child today. And if you'd like more info, there is a Compassion booth set up in our lobby for those who are here in person. You can stop by there. There are some packets available as well if you wanna hold a physical packet. But I would encourage everybody, and especially say to those of you who are joining us online, this is an opportunity for you to be involved in God's global mission in a personal way. Sponsor a child. Change the world for a child and demonstrate the love of God that has been so graciously demonstrated to you. Stephen, would you play for us? Absolutely. Man, grateful that you're here. Thank you, George. Thank you, man. Several years ago, I was, um, as a result of of the way God kind of invited my family, me into the story uh, of caring for the least of the least and really began through the work of compassion, I found myself in uh, an orphanage in China, which is a place that my, my family and I would find ourselves many times over the last 20 years. Um, and I was singing a song. In fact, I'll sing this a little bit of this, and, and you all can maybe sing along with me because every one of us, I think, know this great prayer set to music that goes like this. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you Open the eyes of my heart, Lord Open the eyes of my heart I want to see you I want to see you and as I was singing that song, there were some little ones around, and uh, I, I was really praying, God, I really want to, I want this to not just be a song. I really want to know you. I want to see you and experience you. And, and I opened my eyes, and um, it, was, it was actually uh, the Sunday before Easter. And um, I saw this little guy, about two-year-old little boy. His name was Caleb, and he was one of the 
children there that was being cared for by some brothers and sisters who were taking care of some young and some little ones, young ones that uh, had, didn't have a family and orphans. And he was playing in my guitar case. It had kind of this fuzzy kind of uh, stuff in the case that he loved the feel of. And he was laying down in it and kind of rubbing his hand in it and just having a big time. And it's, it's like as my eyes kind of fell on this little guy, I, I, I really have never heard an audible voice of Jesus, but I, as clearly as I ever have heard him speak to my heart, I felt like he said, Yoo-hoo, here I am. You're singing, you're saying, I want to see you, I want to see you, I want to see you. And so clearly I felt like he said, this is, this is how I'm going to show up in, and answer that prayer. I'm going to show up in the way I said I would, in the least of the least. And I'm going to invite you into a story and to know me and to experience me. And that's what this is about. And it was a profound moment for me and would mark my life and a ministry that my wife and I would, would get to be a part of called Show Hope that would impact many other families as well and continues to. And, and, um, and so I would go on to write this song out of that experience and really thought about it this morning as I was listening to George and just praying as he was bringing the word to you. And uh, so I hope you will hear, hear this as an invitation this morning uh, to respond uh, to Jesus saying, this is where I show up. This is how I, I reveal myself to you. And this is what I'm inviting you into, even through the work of compassion this morning.